Hello and welcome to According to John. Today is more of, well, I guess it's still a question, but we're going to be learning. It's a Bible topic that is almost never addressed and it's huge in the Bible. It is. And people are always wondering, well, today we're going to talk about what are the five crowns of salvation. And I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And today we're going to talk about the five crowns of salvation. Many people don't even know we get crowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, it's so exciting to read the Bible, what God has waiting for the faithful. And people just like pretend it's not even there, you know. Yeah. How, how do you feel about what's going on in the trans world? You know, it's like, come on, man, let me focus on the Bible. There's good news here. Let's look at it. Let's be you ready for such an hour as you think not. The son of man cometh, you know, you all right, John? Oh, dude. Okay. I don't know why he loves me I don't so know much. why. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? Let's focus on the trans world. Oh, I'm so tired of all that. I just want to Dude, follow Jesus. I, okay, legit, I'm I'm with you. I'm so tired of it. Amen. It's just, this whole trans dysphoria, this whole gender dysphoria, this whole uh, uh, homosexual dysphoria. It's not. Well, that's not a dysphoria. That's just straight up sin. Well, Jesus said in the last days it will be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. So I'm just going to tune that out for an hour because we or we got some great stuff lined up. Yeah, here, we Johnny. yeah we're not going to focus on Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to focus on the gifts. And I love the way you said it, man. These are the gifts that Christians get when we get to heaven. Yeah, and then these are what we get to give to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. these crowns, man, are You're jumping ahead, John. I know. You I can't know. hold it back. I know. <laughs> Just call me Duke right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving the punchline, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Hey, brother, open us in a word we of prayer. Let's get busy. We need it. All Father, right. thrill our hearts with the promises you make. Help us to tune the world out when we need to, and help us to understand it when we need to. And may we always stand true to your word. So uh, bless our uh, listeners as they take time out of their lives. It, it's a treasure for us that they tune us in and help them to learn the word of God and be strengthened thereby. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so what are the five crowns of salvation? That is what we're going to talk about. And I have, uh, hold on, i got to make a slight adjustment. Okay, there we go. I like that. All right. Do you like that? Can you hear me okay? I'm fine. (laughs) Okay. You didn't kill enough brain cells in 69. You know, things bother you, man. Well, you know, (laughs) that might be true. Uh, (laughs) Or I may have killed those brain cells that allowed me to let it go and activated the ones that (laughs) that won't let it go. All right. Number one, the first one we're going to look at is the incorruptible crown. We find this in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown or the incorruptible crown. I love this passage, and here's why. And I, and I think, um, of course, I, I believe Paul was a sports fanatic. He used a lot of sporting illustrations. He really... Wrestling did. and running yeah. and com- competition. 
Yeah, on every level. Yeah. So here he compares running the race of life, which we're all in. And I, I will tell you, <clears throat> this race of life that we run is getting exhausting. Mm-hmm. We're rounding the bend. We're nearing the finish, finish line. line. And that's, you know, you've spent a lot of strength <laughs> to get to this point. Yeah. But these are motivations. And he's using yeah. the comparison. You know, there's a corruptible crown you know there's the olympic medals gold silver and, and bronze and you know that that's a big deal i know right. people work really hard towards that uh and um these are incorruptible crowns mm-hmm. these are not temporary these are eternal and uh well and, and the other thing too on the crown they would receive a wreath a pine wreath Mm-hmm. that if they win the race, they, there's a few things they would get. In the ancient Olympics. Yeah, in the yes, thank you. In the ancient Olympics, back in Paul's day, they would, if they won, they would receive two things that really mattered to, to the Olympian. One is the wreath of, uh, so it was a pine wreath, and so you'd get that, which signified you won. And then the second thing that they would give you is a key to the city, if you will. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, they would even break down a part of the wall so that you could come in on a chariot. That's how much celebration it was for your nation to win the Olympics. Yeah. So this was huge, and yet God says that's perishable. Like, it doesn't, when it all matters and all the dust settles, it doesn't matter. In this the imperishable crown or the incorruptible crown, man, this is for all eternity. Yeah, the dust is never going to settle the, on this. The dust will never That's settle. That's a neat way to think about it. And uh, and it shows our entrance into heaven. Yeah. It shows that what we do on earth counts, mm-hmm. that what we do on earth, God is watching. There, we're compassed about why a cloud of witnesses, people are in heaven cheering for us yeah. to, to, to finish well. And then God says, I'm going to reward you. And I'll be honest with you, just as we launch into this, in the early days of my, my journey with Jesus, I knew about these crowns. I studied it out. My pastor was very faithful to teach the whole counsel of the word of God. And it was kind of neat, but I forgot about it. never really right. thought about the crown someday. I, I was just happy to be forgiven. Right. <laughs> happy to be delivered from, from the control of alcohol and drugs. Right. So I had a tremendous reward now, mm-hmm. or the reward one by one. My family came to Christ. I, I, I married up, as you as you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a wonderful wife, and uh, I've, I've been blessed. But, you know, as I get older, I'm, I, I do think about the crowns. Um, and as you had jumped ahead, so if you did, I follow your lead. <laughs> I think we, when we get these crowns, we'll, he'll show the scriptures later, but we're yeah. going to take these crowns and really it was God's enabling for mm-hmm. us to get them. It was his strength is his wisdom working in us, but we're going to have these crowns. He's going to give them to us. And I think the greatest moment of, of ever for us in all of eternity will be when we give them back to him. Yeah, That's huge. And, and not only that, but the fact that we live it out is is a huge gift to God as well from us that we love him so much. We keep his commandments. We're willing to be obedient. We're willing to, uh, um, pull our body into subjection. As Paul says, we got to die to self. And, and this crown that we're talking about, the imperishable crown or the incorruptible crown is same thing. Uh, this crown is given to believers who faithfully 
run the race. And what I mean by faithfully is you haven't given up. You know, there's so many, if, if we go on the sports analogy like Paul has, there's so many people today, they give up so easily. Yeah, this is not a 60-yard dash. It's a marathon. This is a marathon that you have to hang in. I was I got a phone call last night where a couple that I love dearly, um, they they're done. They're they're done with their marriage. And I was like, I told my I looked at my wife and I said, you know what's crazy? It seems like with marriages, it seems like with almost everything today, we're all in until we get to the worst part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when we make that vow for better or for worse, we're yeah. all in for the better. Yeah. But when it gets the worst part, we're like, oh, I didn't really mean that. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah. No, you did. You, you did. When you made a vow, that's signing up. You signed up for it. Yeah. And so when you make a commitment, that's signing up for it. And when you received the gift of life from Jesus Christ, you made a, that was, a, that was your saying yes to him is saying yes to everything about him. If you're not for me, you're against me. Yeah. <laughs> and so the frustrating part for me is we're in until it gets too hard. We're running we run the race until we're like, uh, someone just passed me. I'm never going to win. What's the difference? No, no. Who cares if you win or lose? What matters is that you finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I've been a, a Adirondack hiker, not so much recently, but I'm an Adirondack 46 or I've climbed all 46. I'm the, I'm envious of that, dude. Well, I'm too old to jump in on trail. But, but I did ride motorcycle in all, in, in all 48 <laughs> contiguous states. You didn't ride a motorcycle to the top of these mountains, baby. No. <laughs> but you, especially on the long hikes, you know, a, a hike that's maybe 18 to 24 miles, and you're wearing heavy boots, mm. and they get wet, and they're really heavy, and you're carrying a pack. Maybe a light pack would be 25 pounds, and sometimes if you're going on overnight, you might be carrying 60. I, I, I tried a little never more than 65 that's a lot of weight that's to carry. a lot of weight and dude. you're climbing you know you might climb 10 15 thousand feet you know because you go up and down and then back up and down and uh, you your body comes to a point where it's exhausted and you think you're done but those of us we just call it breaking through that i think they they call it the wall in marathon yeah. running you hit the wall and you hit the wall you know on these things and you just think I, I'm done. I can't go any farther. And of course, your your choice is I can lay down, stop, and die of hypothermia tonight in the woods, or you just dig down deep, and and you you can't you can't even fathom a finish. All you can think of is I'm going to take the next step, one more step, and it's right. painful. And you do it, and you take another step, another step, and when you you're breaking through, the the pain starts to ease up. And as the pain is easing up, you're kind of entering to a euphoria. Endorphins kick in. I don't know all the chemistry. Yeah, all that second wind, I think yeah, they, they call, call it. Yeah, they call it the second wind. But, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's even – you hit that wall, it's even greater than the second wind. And uh, I had never even experienced this until I was in my early 40s. And uh, I was never a great athlete, but I was a great athletic supporter, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> You might have to edit that out. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but um, so you are the athletic supporter. Yes, I was. Okay, and, and 
you know, and I was like, what am I doing out here on this hike? This ain't fun. This hurts so bad. I'm never going to do this again. I hate these guys that invited me. This is so painful. And then you just don't stop. You, you grab a drink, you power up with some, uh, some power bars and it gets into your system and your will has overcome the pain and the pain begins to fade. The endorphins kick in and, and literally it's a runner's high or a hiker's high on the longest hikes. We have literally ran out of the woods. The last two miles just run yes, out of the woods. The celebration. And people look at you and think you're absolutely out of your mind. And they're sort of right, but it's a runner's high. And you can go so much deeper and go so much farther than what you ever dreamed. And you make it back to the car, your high's a kite. And I mean, within like two minutes, you are bottoming out now. It's like, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can drive home, but you do. Right. So it's but, i just wish everybody could go through this because it's kind of what this is talking about exactly. you know? you're going to get you got weary in this battle yeah. and God says if you don't quit i got something waiting for you yeah. you're going to like it philippians 3 12 through 16 i think paul says it so well here really what you were just saying now that i uh, he says this not that i have already attained or am already perfected but i press on that i may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. That word <laughs> press on is almost lost in our society today. It, it, I don't feel like it. Yeah. I'm tired. It's not fair. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And, and of course it literally means, uh, to move rapidly, decisively. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. toward an object. Yeah. I press on, I, I am, I make this decision and without hesitation, I keep moving toward it. That's what he's talking about when he says press on. And so he says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, of course, because only Christians can do this in Christ and only Christians can gain this crown. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And again, that word press means to move rapidly and decisively toward the object. And so that decisively means you are not going to be distracted. Yeah. There are resources of strength available beyond our uh, initial uh, sense of, of strength. And getting there is painful, but getting through is something that'll just, it changes everything. And, and you learn that in relationships. I think if you've ever raised a kid all the way up yeah. and then they, you know, they're, they're testing you constantly and then they, they have the breakthroughs yeah. and they get it. I remember, uh, my, my second born. And, and you get it. I mean, you, it's a home run for you oh, when they goodness. get it. Yeah. yeah. When, when they get it, you're like, Yes, thank you. I remember Jesus. going through some trials with my second born, and man, she got it. She's only like 15 years old, and she got it. And she just went from, you know, being tempted to being solid and being a rock in her little group of people that others look to her for strength mm -hmm. because she, she came face to face with realities and she surrendered it to Jesus. And she made it through those days with honor and glory, set an example for. Uh, her friends, her circle of friends in a public school. And uh, she had a great testimony. And so I was really proud of that. Nice. But as a parent, it's like, oh, yeah. 
a win for her, a real win for us as well. Absolutely. And, and for her friends and, for, yeah. of course, most of all, for the Lord Jesus. Yeah. You know, the in verse 14 here of Philippians 3, 14, it says, I press, which is that you're, you're not going to be sidetracked. You're, you're on purpose, decisive in what you're doing. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's interesting is when you look at prize, the word uh, is is bababeo, I think is how you pronounce it, right? Or brabeo or something like that. At any rate, it literally means of competition in the games or it can mean, in the Greek, a moral, spiritual performance. Wow. Well, and, and that's the thing. We want to finish well. We get the prize. But the prize that Paul's talking about in 14 is the upward call of Christ Jesus, which is that spiritual living it out. That performance would literally mean that spiritual, moral living it out. Yeah. What's really interesting is that when he hits in verse four, uh, 15, he starts out with therefore. Because of what I just told you, right? Mm -hmm. Let us, and then he says this. As many as are mature, which really begs the question, if you're failing spiritually, are you spiritually mature? Mm -hmm. Because if you're failing spiritually, that tells me that you're still a babe sucking on a nipple and you should be having eating meat by now. I had an experience Solid on a trail food. where I saw a guy kind of live out that verse he was uh, co-coached with me in baseball and heard I was hiking wanted to kind of join us and he was fairly physically fit but it, it was over his head and we got fogged in and we got off trail we were on a trail we were on the wrong trail and we came off the mountain at a different parking lot we were not really lost but kind of we were for a little while and you weren't together <laughs> we weren't in our our group of eight guys got broke up into two groups one guy was really falling behind and hypothermia was a threat it was raining and you just had to stay moving so we we finally found ourselves on the map the fog was lifting and we weren't lost but we were on the wrong trail we're going to come out of the woods in a different spot so what normally would have been about a mile and a half to go turned out we had about five miles to go and this is after we'd already gone about 15. we thought it'd be a 16 mile trip and turned out to be about 20 and a half and, and, this and guy, the, the problem with that is when you're like okay we got a mile to go and then you realize, and so you're, you're jacked for that mile to be finished. And then you realize, oh my goodness, yeah. we got five times that to go. And his name was Gary. And he looked at us and he's a great guy. And he, he looked at us with horror, like, <laughs> you're kidding me. And you just saw that panic that came on his face. Like, I can't do this. And then he realized, well, I can stop and die here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or. Because at some point you realize I have no choice. Exactly. But he had that maturity. You know, he was in his early 40s and fairly fit. And he just realized this This is where I am, where I am and I have to go on. And he, he dug down and it was like the most painful thing he'd ever been through. And he was real quiet because he, he wasn't attacking, but he's a very gentle, spirited Conserving man. Conserving energy. But he was angry, but he just realized it doesn't pay me to be angry. I just have to put this foot in front of that one. And just not stop. And he had that breakthrough. He got back 
to the car finally. And actually some guys picked us up from Canada. We walked out the woods with them and they had this old rundown car and they took us back to our car and we made it out of the woods, got back to the car. And the other group of four, they didn't get off track, but they had a guy that was so, uh, so broken. It took them like three hours longer to come out a shorter track than wow. it did for us. And this Gary w- had never had an experience like this before in his life. What was the most horrible thing that he'd ever felt at the end of the day? Gave him the greatest victory. The greatest victory he'd ever had. It was, it was fun to just be at his side because yeah. I've been through that about 20 times. That was his first thing. He hated <laughs> me for about an hour and a half. And then he loves me to this day. And I just ran into the store about uh, three months ago and he pulled me aside. Guess what he talked about? That, that, Remember that day? Hike, yeah. I wanted to kill you, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> but now I want to hug you because he found out that there was so much more. Right. And that's what we need in this day because it, it's, it's a tough time to live in this we world. We need to be reminded there's more we have jesus and you're able to do more you can do more than you think you just have to be determined and be diligent and just look to him and die to self and then that that power that's beyond you becomes your power and you make it through because someday we're going to this is going to become a reality well what i really find let me finish here in in uh philippians 12 through 16 because in 14 or 15 he says let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And in, uh, and if in anything you think otherwise, God reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In Hebrews, when you talk about this pressing on, pressing on, it says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Now, I believe that this is the witnesses in chapter 11 who yep. set the standard to say, I am a witness that this can be done. I am a witness that this is true. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But then when we think about endurance, because he goes on, right? It's like, um, uh, well, let me just finish it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy is us. Yes. Which is insane. But then Paul, or whoever the author is of Hebrews says, for consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Consider Jesus who hung in there, no pun intended, literally stayed there, who had the option to do whatever he chose, but he stayed in there, right? And verse four, and I tell people this all the time when they tell me, Pastor, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I say, wait a minute. Hebrews 12, four says this. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. So that means you haven't done everything. It could be way worse. It can be way worse. Yeah. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed. In other words, it hasn't cost you everything. So therefore, you've not exerted everything. So you still have that next step in you to keep doing what's right. Yeah, I love that phrase that who for the joy that was set 
before Jesus. He wasn't focused in on, man, those nails hurt so bad. You know, I don't have to take this. Lord, Father, send angels to get me off this cross. Oh, man, these people are so whacked out. You just wipe them. He he, he didn't focus on the pain. He didn't he, focus well, on Well, he could have said, I'm out. He could have bailed himself. Yeah. Didn't even need an angel. He didn't come down, hallelujah, yeah. from the cross. But there were things that were set. It was set that he would... Uh, uh, descend into hell. It was set that he would preach to the spirits in darkness. It was yeah. set that on the third day he would rise. It was set that he would send to the Father. It was set that he would return again. And he knew as as he was on the cross, uh, I've heard people say, while he was on the cross, you and I were on his heart. Yeah. And he could Think see that. that we would come right. to Christ. And right. that was the joy that was set before him it was set that he would return one day after that and set up his kingdom it was set that he would be king he would be worshiped and it would be well with all of us who love him and we have things that are set before us he's yep. coming we're going home we get new bodies these are wearing out and and getting old and breaking down but we get new <laughs> bodies Dude, thank you. <laughs> you. You were having a good day, and then the Duke Meister shows thank up. Thank you and, for reminding me just yeah, what's happening here. Yeah, the wrist and the all on and on it goes. Get up in the morning, can't move your neck. But God said, I got these crowns set. Yeah. They're going to be yours. But, I'm going to give them to you, and then I think we're going to give them back to him. What yeah. a moment that will be. I, that's the third time we brought that up. But, I know. Well, because that's uh, – okay, here we go. So the first one that we looked at – is the incorruptible crown or the imperishable crown. It, it's called either one. And that's given for endurance. That's endurance, right? Those For those who hang in there, the second crown that we can get is the crown of rejoicing. And we find this in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming for you are our glory and joy. And so uh, the, this crown of rejoicing is to those who faithfully witness to the saving grace of God and lead souls to Jesus. Mm -hmm. These are your soul winners, and they receive the crown of rejoicing. When people don't share the gospel, when people say, and, and I, man, I want to, I want to just like, poke them in the eye when they say this. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm shy. And you're right. I don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand that. I, I don't but understand. God's commands are, are not affected by how people's personalities are. Okay, I didn't want to stand before people. I'd take an automatic F on an oral book report because I'm not going to stand up in front of people. Right. I, I had a phobia about that, but God called me to do what I had a phobia about. So I just died. I said, okay, I'll, I was paralyzed by fear. Okay, but I stop, stop. You just said it. You just said it. You went from I'll take an F because I'm not standing in front of people to give a report to I died to myself and I'll stand up and talk about Jesus. That, dude, I'm telling you, that is the key. And I will also say this, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I will say I this. I get a point for this, John. I'll give you a point. <laughs> <laughs> i give you a point and a quarter. <laughs> Listen, 1 Thessalonians 2.10 says that God will judge you by your willingness and desire to be used by him to witness to others. Not, not necessarily on how many we win to Jesus. That's immaterial because he does the soul winning. He, I mean, he does the winning. We do the, he does the soul 
reaping, we do the soul witnessing. We share and we live it out in front of people. Right. God does the work. He right. does the rest. But, but God, look here, First Thessalonians 2.10, you are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. God is going to look at if we died to ourselves or not and lived unto him. And when you have died, you feel that deliverance. And I'm standing before people sharing the gospel with passion. And they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. But not everybody looks at me. There's been thousands in New York that listened. Yep. And they, God spoke to them and they listened and they bowed, they broke and they came to Christ and they love me and they love you. And so you just have to obey God and deny yourself, right? Pick up your cross and follow. And when that happens, you have a breakthrough and it's not a, a, a scary thing to stand before people today, right. but it was at first. Well, I'm going to say this and this is going to hurt some people's feelings and they can disagree with me if you want, but it, disagreeing with truth doesn't mean it's still not truth. Okay. The reason when, when people are like, Oh, I want my loved one to go to heaven, but they won't talk to their loved one about Jesus. Here's what is very clear and very evident. When we fail to share the gospel with the lost world or with our loved ones, it simply means we love ourselves more, more than, than we, we love them. Yep. We love ourselves more than we love Jesus. The truth is we love ourselves above everything and anything else because we're not even willing to be uncomfortable just a little to spare a soul from hell. Yeah. I remember being completely rejected by my family when I first came to Christ. I had to make that decision. This is a decision we all have to make, that my popularity is secondary to their salvation. Exactly. And I made them all angry at first. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister got in my face on two occasions, literally cursed me out. And I just turned the other cheek and just said, I love you and I'm sorry I'm an offense, but I just want you to spend eternal life with Jesus and me. I love you so much. And she just made it even more angry and she just stormed off. But about a year and a half later, two o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call, Duke, it's Kathy, get over here right now. I need to be saved. <laughs> right? And that's what we're saying. Listen, the, who are we to determine who should go to heaven and who shouldn't? I had a friend of mine when I got saved, I witnessed to him and he was the same way. It's like, look, John, uh, like chill out. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. We used to party together, drink together the whole nine. And then now I'm a different guy and he can't relate with me. And of course I can't relate with him anymore. And so he's like, uh, look, John, uh, man, you can go on with life. That's yours. I don't have a problem with it, but I don't need it. And I'm like, no, you do. You do. And he's like, uh, you judging me? Yes. <laughs> so, he kind of left and left me alone. Well, then I got a, a friend of mine who's a Christian uh, that had a, kind of a similar background. And I said, like, his name is Bill. And I said, Bill, you and, you and me, we're going to go for a ride. And he goes, John, where are we going to go? Dude, just get in the car. Let's go. I'll tell you on the way. Okay. He jumps in the car on the way. I was like, look, we're going over to a friend of mine's house. He won't hear it from me. And I just think you can share the gospel with him. Mm-hmm. 
we get to his house and we get out of the car. He comes outside and he just gives me this look like, what are you doing here? I mean, I could see it. Right. And, and I could tell he was not happy with me. I was like, Hey Bill, this is so-and-so. And I introduced him and, uh, and so-and-so this is Bill. And we, uh, I was like, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to run over here and you guys sit and talk. Johnny had a plan. Yeah. I didn't win him to Jesus, but I'll tell you what did happen. Uh, he started talking to me again because at that moment when it was all over, the next day he calls me up and he said, I didn't appreciate what you did. And I go, I know I saw it in your eyes. He said, but you showed me mm -hmm. the value yes. of what you believe and you showed me you love me so much mm -hmm. that Man. you that you wanted me in heaven. He goes, I don't believe what you believe, but I do believe you love me. Amen. And you know what? That that was a victory. Guilty. That was I a victory. You. Yeah, that yeah. was a victory. And I go, dude, if you didn't get anything but that, I'll take it. That's a start because I do love you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I jeopardize the relationship because I love you so much. You know, and, and sometimes it is going to be that, you know, I tell people, I love you so much, I'm willing to sacrifice the relationship by telling you the truth. Yeah. I think that's the critical point. Yeah. You have to be willing to sacrifice the relationship temporarily yeah. that you might have a real relationship eternally well there's there was a guy that took his and it's a true event i'm uh i'm not making any of this up i'd have to go back and and uh research it but it just came to my mind but there was a, a gentleman that took his son and his son's best friend out fishing on the ocean they uh, a sudden storm came up and it blew uh the two boys ended up out of the boat and the they only had one life preserver on the boat and the boy was saved. His son was saved, but his friend wasn't the boys. His son's friend was not saved. And he took the life preserver and he yells out to his son, son, I love you. And I'll see you again. Mm -hmm. They threw their life preserver to the unsafe friend. He did. Yeah. Dude, like that's, that's the ultimate, right? That's what God did for us. Think about that. That was what Jesus did. That act of unselfish love. Later, that boy got saved. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> the father and that boy went into ministry together. The boy became a pastor. And for the rest of the father's dying days, he ministered and pastored a church with that boy. Yeah. That boy became his son it, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, holy, Tim, holy, like holy. Timothy became Paul's son. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy. Yeah. That's how real it is. Uh, right. Johnny. This this is real. Heaven is a real place. God wants us there. Provide, bought us yeah. a ticket. And hell's a real place. And people's minds are blinded. And we just have to be bold enough. And we can be bold in a in different ways. That doesn't mean we're 
get in their face and scream mm-hmm. at him, which I did with my brother Doug. It was terrible. <laughs> he was drunk, and and I just grabbed him and I shook him. He said, "You're going to hell, and, and I don't want you to." And Jesus loves you, and I was just shaking him. Yeah. He's like, rah, rah. <laughs> and but you know what? It was it was it was like 20 years later he did come to Christ, and he's a he's a rock. He's a pillar in his church, and he's brought many people to Christ. But yeah. I, you know, he knew that I loved him. Right. He knew that he didn't like where I was at. He didn't want to hear it. And I'd go home with my wife and my kids and he'd barely even see us. It was just not comfortable. And of course today we're just, you know, we're brothers. Man. Isn't it? We're yeah. on, a, on a whole today. new level. Yeah. yeah whole on a whole, new, whole level. new level. So that is the crown of rejoicing. Okay. The third crown that we're going to talk about is the crown of life. Revelation two ten. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. And so Jesus says that he will give this crown to those who undergo severe hardship, testing, tribulation, and or physical death on Jesus's behalf. And I think probably being willing to die uh, for your faith in God, that's your ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And it is the greatest act of courage and love that I think you can show God. There are several times in the book of Revelation where God brings up the blood of the martyrs and a special yeah. crown for those. I don't uh, long to have uh, this crown. I don't desire to be martyred. But on the other hand, I don't fear it. Uh, right. I don't fear it at all. Yeah. God's grace was sufficient for them. And if it were, if the governor's plans were to be able to get, work her plans through to arrest those that she deems a threat to the New York populace. Listen, listen, that, she's a nut, dude. Yeah, she is. And she's and evil. They've already opened up the uh, prison camps, if you please. They we, call we went from the he devil to the she devil. We did in That's, New York. Oh, my goodness, man. It's if, horrible. If, if people will study out what's happening in New York State legislature, some of this didn't pass, but she's trying to take it through the the uh, health department now. Mm-hmm. And well, the, you know, that's their way around. Yeah. Duke is unvaccinated. Uh, I've had COVID. I've got the antibodies. I'm not a threat to anybody, but in their view, I'm unvaccinated. I'm a threat and they can arrest me without a trial. Now, if I murdered somebody, it'd be catch and release. But if I'm, well, look at it, look at the guy, look at the guy in South Carolina. This is out to, and we're talking in the South dude. Oh, yeah. where you're moving to just, yeah. so you know, dude, go, this, this black guy goes in, to the mall shoots 14 people shoots 14 shoots them with a gun 14 people they arrest him they take him to jail three hours later he's back out on the street at work because they said he, they didn't want him to miss work the next day mm-hmm. we've got a brain switched so is running uh, the asylum now how about how about this hokel new york new york Governor, man, I even hate to to give her that title, but the New York governor, she just passed a law or or signed in the law or is pushing now April 1st. At first, I thought it was an April Fool's joke. If you have anything other than a stock exhaust on your motorcycle, truck, or car, 
Anything other than stock, meaning that it came from the factory that way. Mm-hmm. $1,000 fine. Could be up to 30 days in jail. Or, and or, possible loss of license for life. Because... Loud exhaust is violence. A loud exhaust produces fear. A loud exhaust is bullying. It's all about control. It's control. See, on the, and every issue, everything. In New York State, everything. It's one of the reasons we're leaving, uh, Lord Welling, in November. Um, but and, but the whole the whole point is is that um, you know if if you're really righteous and holy and right with God. You would stay in New York where you're needed the most and witness and win souls. And <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm busting your chops, man. I know, I know that I did my you, forty. You, you put you put Plus four. You put your time in. Twenty four years. I know. I'm busting your chops. But but we have uh, grandchildren that uh, they're trying to threaten uh, vaccines yeah. on our grandchildren that we're just just out of here. Well, here's the other crazy thing, dude. So. My oldest daughter, her and her husband, just had their first child, and it's a little girl, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Congratulations, Papa. Yeah, right? Uh, and he can't go up to the hospital because it's New York to see the I baby. I can't go see this child because... It's New York, that's It's New why. York. So we got to wait until they come home from the hospital so we can see our grandbaby. And... I don't understand that because I don't understand the the chaos in the liberal ungodly mind. I think a way to summarize all of this, and we're living that out here yeah. in New York State. Uh, the mandates are are ridiculous. Yeah, uh, God won't give me permission to leave. Just so you know, throughout history, God has allowed the Satan's grip to be very tight. Yeah. And people have, have been martyred. We know in the book of Revelation that those who don't take the mark of the beast are going to be martyred. And there might be people martyred along the way. There's Christians being martyred now in uh, in China. Oh, yeah. Being martyred yeah. in Islamic countries who love the Lord Jesus. So God's grace has been sufficient for them throughout history. I know his grace would be sufficient for me. I don't long for that, but I have zero fear of right. it. And if it were to come, and, uh, you know, heaven doesn't scare me a bit. I have so many friends there, but he would reward us. No, no, you don't have friends there. You have family there. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's just, true. Just to help you out. Yeah. That is a sweet truth, Johnny. It is, man. It's a, it's, There's a difference precious. between friends and family. Uh, let, let me say this. Christians who have been martyred for their faith throughout history will not only be given this crown of life, but other rewards once they enter into heaven James 1.12 says this, blessed, blessed. Blessed literally means happy, happy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this yes. is good, man. Throw a party happy. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Right? So blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. We have to, the crown of life means that we endure temptation and, or tribulations or trials. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, that goes back to, uh, the crown of, of, uh, of righteousness, right? 
where uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the crown of rejoicing to where if to get the crown of rejoicing and the crown of life almost go hand in hand, it's going to take both, man, because mm-hmm. you have to endure the yeah, hatred. Yeah. Endurance is part of pretty much all of them. It is right. Yeah. And so, so they're going to go hand in hand and I'm going to tell you, God will use you where you're at, but he can only use you if you're willing to be used. And willingness. That, There's that decision part of this all yeah, the way through, isn't it? It really is. You just really have to is. determine that I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to, a lot of people, they call it lifestyle of it. Well, I live Jesus in front of them. That's not enough. That's not, well, because here's why. They don't mention the name. They're like, I'm just, uh, you know what? I just live it out. I don't talk about it. Well, as far as people know, you're just a good moral person. Mm-hmm. Who gives a rip about that when it comes to heaven? But when you bring up his name, that's when the that's when the, mm-hmm. the battle begins. And we know that's true because how many people cringe on the inside when it comes time to say the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they need any rate. Okay, number four, because we got two to go. We got to get finished with this, and our clock is running faster than you and I. <laughs> number number four is the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. Second Timothy four eight says this. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so to those who love the appearing of Christ, who anxiously wait and look forward to the day when he will return for his saints, this crown is given to those who lived a good and righteous life for God while living on earth. Mm-hmm. And, but that means, that means that this crown of righteousness means you, you have to be like Paul and talk about God and talk about Jesus and give him the credit publicly. And I mean, it's everything involved, right? Because if you're righteous, you have to give credit where credit's due or else you're not righteous. Mm-hmm. I've had people kind of get in my face, say, you're always talking about Jesus coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And I yeah. don't apologize for that because right. I want them to be ready. Mm-hmm. And that when I think about his coming, it helps me to be ready and therefore abide in Christ that when he appeared, we won't be ashamed before him at his coming. Right. When I'm thinking about his coming, I wouldn't want him to come and catch me doing something really, really right. wrong. And uh, so that motivates me to, to, to be godly. It motivates me to share the, my faith with people. And there's a crown for that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All these crowns. Yeah. God, God just... He, you know, we were babysitting our, our, our granddaughter this week and we just, we, we just love her so much. We want to take her to, she helped clean up the yard. We're going to take her to the dollar store. She's so excited. She's going to get about three or $4 worth of stuff. And yeah, but that means a lot, but it's a reward. Yeah. And she knows that Ma, Mia and Papa love her and we love her being with us this week. And, and this is a reward system. This yeah. is our heavenly father taking us to the ten thousand uh, dollar store right. uh, to to lavish us with things because he loves us and he's seen that we've been faithful. That yeah. every one of these require faithfulness. faithfulness. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is we have there's two types of Christians. You have Christians who have been justified. Right, at justification, meaning that you are saved and therefore God looks at you just as if you'd never sinned, that justification. But your lifestyle is um, 
while you don't live righteous and your actions, your behaviors, your words, you everything kind of entered in, but not gone on. Yeah. Everything about you is immature, uh, spiritually speaking. And then you have those who have been sanctified, set apart. You're set apart. You're different. You are. You're different. Peculiar people. You're righteous. Yeah. See that? Made righteous yeah. by God. Exactly. So you're made righteous by God, which means then you went, hey, uh, Jesus, I love you so much. I'm going to keep your commandments. I'm going to be sanctified. And people are going to notice that, and they're going to know why I'm sanctified. They're going to know why I'm set apart. They're going to go know why I am different, look different. And so you, you have to decide, are you just saved and you're entering heaven uh, but your britches are on fire, as Jude talks about? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to get a crown of righteousness because the righteous judge will give to us one day because we loved his appearing? And the only way that you can love his appearing is if you're ready for it, you're anticipating it. You know, if you're, if you're doing wrong, you're not excited for your parents to come home. <laughs> amen and amen. But if you got nothing to hide because you've done everything right, you welcome them home. They come home. There's a hug. Yeah. There's no intimidation, no fearfulness, no nothing. And I think it's the same way be- between sanctification and justification. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who, who have done right, you are anticipating you're going to get this crown because, man, you're excited for the day Jesus shows up. And those who are simply saved but you've given no care to to the things of God, yeah, you're not going to be so excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It gets real simple, doesn't it? it? It does. It absolutely does. And I will tell you this, when it's all said and done, these Christians, the sanctified Christians, right, they, I believe, will be receiving some of the greatest rewards that God can hand out once they get to heaven. Amen. Amen. And yeah. the big one's coming, and then the application, Johnny. We're building to a crescendo here. <laughs> the crown of glory. Yeah, huh, baby? First Peter 5, 1 through 4. The elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. The glory that will be. I mean, listen, Paul's confident mm-hmm. because he knows. Sure. Well, he's. He's also a witness, right? Mm-hmm. The Lord took him, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Yeah. But I got to see. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Duke, 44 years as a pastor and then the remaining of your life um, with a pastor's heart, podcasting, traveling, uh, traveling, evangelizing, witnessing. Come the day you will receive the crown of glory. Well, if I don't get stupid along the way, you know, I want to finish well. But I have a thought on this that my pastor gave me back in 1973. I'll never forget it. The pastor's crown. The crown of glory is the pastor's crown. The crown of glory. And um, 
he he shared this that look i'm i'm the guy god called to be the pastor but god called you to uh give double honor to those that labor in the word he's called us to serve the church he's fitly joined us together and he used the illustration of moses up on the mountain and as he held up the staff they won in battle when the staff came down they they lost in battle yeah. so here comes aaron and her, her. And they hold up his arms and i held up my pastor's yeah. arms yeah. and he said the the crown of glory he says the crown of glory he's going to share it with me because i held up his hands well here's here's what i have in my notes and it goes exactly with what you're saying this probably could also include preachers teachers sunday school teachers that's what he was saying missionaries and all those who teach the word of god in their respective ministries screaming amen i think and i agree with you that if you are shepherding people, would I, and, and listen, not everyone can hold the position of a pastor. You'd be a small group leader. I think if you're... And you're really leading. If you're shepherding the people that God has put under you. Mm-hmm. Caring for or their, po- their or, needs. Yeah, or God has put in your care. Mm-hmm. I think that you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Yeah, he didn't think it was only for the pastor, but all those that held up his hands, all of those that served the Sunday school teacher, an extension of the pastor's role to, to guide the church. And he, he, he saw it as a corporate thing. And, you know, and I just look forward to my pastor getting that crown of glory and I held up his hands and then I became a pastor and I want to hold up your pa- your hands as pastor in of your flock here in any way I can strengthen the hands of other pastors. Yep. Yep. And, uh, so man, the best part's waiting for us, Johnny. Yeah. Holding back. Here's and- a, let me say this, um, and I think you said it well. Um, yeah, if I finish well. I think I could lose this crown if I have it coming. I could lose it by getting really stupid. Yeah. Because the Bible does send a warning that you'd lose not your reward. I'm right. not going to lose my salvation, of yeah. course. That's a gift of God. But I can lose my rewards, and I don't want to do that. I, I, I think I'll have some crowns. I hope so. Well, if you look here in in verse 2 of 1 Peter 5, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So we've already separated that out, right? It's, it's a willing heart, not for dishonest gain. So there's several out there that aren't going to get this crown simply because they're in it for the wrong motive. Yeah. And then when a pastor ends up with a house that's worth $11 million on one side of town and another $2.3 million mansion on another side of the same town. Because they don't want to go through rush hour. (laughs) And and they drive a $4.3 million car. I'm saying I think that is not the this work of the Holy Spirit. Might be a little dishonest gain in there, yeah, oh, might, in the heart. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that, that they stole the money. I'm just saying that they deceived people to stole. I mean, that they... that they <laughs> Give it the missions. Yeah, give it the missions. So let me say this, though. So, so verse 3 separates one. Or, I mean, uh, verse 2. Verse 3 separates another. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples... To the flock, meaning that you aren't, listen, you aren't a, a, a commander, oh, you know, but you're an example. You set the example. You lead by example. And what's the example? Christ, which means apt, you're living Christ. Apt to teach, given to hospitality, mm-hmm. confronting. That's the hard part. It's conf- confrontation. It's part of being a pastor. It is. And uh, 
Right. A lot of pastors just just pretend that confrontation isn't even part of it. And I even know people today that whenever there is any confrontation, they think that must be of the devil. You must be of the devil if you're confronting me. It's like, no, no, God sent prophets to confront. Right. And then it says, if you do that, then when the chief shepherd, which is Jesus, but I will also say this, I do not like when people reference pastors as the under shepherd. No, we are the shepherd of our flock. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Yeah. I am not an under shepherd. I am a shepherd. Yeah. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. There's your separation. He is the ultimate. My five-year-old Leah used to say that the the pastor of a church is the boss and Jesus is the big boss. <laughs> so right? I'll figure it out at age five. Yeah, but and that's what it is. And so if we do verse 2 and verse 3, then when the chief shepherd Jesus shows up, we will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. And if you are being used of God, you can't quit. You got if you want this crown, you got to hang in there. You got to finish well. You have to be willing to teach and educate others. Mm-hmm. I think when people have broken through in the past, you just kind of get up where, you know, quitting isn't even in the vocabulary anymore. Right. I might get mad. I might go have to sing, go out and sing victory in Jesus a hundred times till I really mean it, but I'm coming back in and I'm, I'm resolved that I'm going to finish the course. Amen. I can't do it in my own power. I know that, but I'm, I'm resolved that I'm going to finish in his power. And uh, what, what a joy that awaits us. Amen. Well, guys, I hope that this has helped you. And we need to understand that uh, being willing to teach and educate others after they're saved is one of the greatest things that you can do for them this side of heaven. I also want you to understand that when you said that, you know what, you've made up your mind that you're just going to be diligent and you're going to hang in there. Uh, guys, the incorruptible crown is the imperishable crown giving to believers who faithfully run the race. The crown of rejoicing, right? To those who faithfully witness. And then we have the crown of life goes to those who uh, are willing to die or who go through hardship for Jesus. And then the crown of righteousness. This is the crown given to those who live a good and righteous life. And then the crown of glory. Guys, let me encourage you. You can jump in. Let me jump in just before we go. We get the crowns. On the other side, and I think, what are we going to do with them? Give them back to Jesus. Cast them at his feet. That'd be a good name for a a band, wouldn't it? Casting crowns. Casting crowns. Just saying. Guys, I hope this has helped you. If it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next time, God bless. Bye-bye.